Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? So I did my homework. I watched... um, what was it? What is infinity or welcome to infinity? Something like that. A step into infinity. So, yeah, something along those lines. Definitely will give you a lot of food for thought. Um, I, the way the circles were where you from the middle draw a line out on the radius to reach the point and it doesn't matter if that's a small circle or a big circle like those are all the same points basically the idea being it's hard to mm-hmm. tell the difference between a small circle and a large circle mathematically but it reminded me because you and i it was one of those things where it's like, man, I was dancing all around the truth like a long time ago, but we kind of came to the real realization a while ago, like when we were younger and we were telling each other, there's no such thing as size because there's an infinity above us. And then there's an infinity below us. So like size mm-hmm. is only relative to your point of view, which goes straight to like Einstein's theory of relativity where time is relative. But we were just saying space is relative too. And the whole point being, well, it's like, man, we are definitely nothing, no thing. You bring up size and I always get glimpses of the truth. And sometimes I dive into something and and it's, it's, it's right there on the tip of the tongue as far as truth and size is one of those because yeah, uh, making the conclusion that size is, is an illusion. Um, I can go, I can go there and I can get there, but I know that there's like a longer explanation of truth that I I can't get to like the end of it as far as how I want to articulate what I want to say about size. I just know that, size there's there's something to do with size the infinite now how we talked about you can manifest in time space as far this way as as far this way correct like kind of like creating your own heaven or hell state the infinite now the idea of that space of bliss was very interesting just because it you know in my mind's eye i see like it going across you know how and it's there's even an exercise there like how can you become more present and it and it is kind of like pushing the envelope and it's not even like we talked about spiritual materialism you know this is a little bit different. It's a little bit more, it's a shift. This is like how, how much presence can you possibly attain? And I made the point with you yesterday is 
I think as a collective, if you listen to a bird, you know, or a crow or an animal that tries to grab your intention, they don't, they just are, you know, I think Eckhart Tolle made, made the beautiful quote. Someone asked, if you were to ask the bird, what time is it, what time it is, they would obviously say, well, it's now, what are you talking about? Time doesn't exist. So they have zero distractions. So when you think about a bird, it's infinite now. So you can also draw the conclusion like the bird is more perfect spiritually than a human is. And then it got me to thinking like, well, is it possible for humans to attain infinite now? And I just came to the conclusion that, you know, I, I don't know if that's that particular level is possible unless every single person on the planet awakening awakens and and everything kind of melts away. So that was, it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big moments yesterday when we were talking. Yeah. Cause I, I Another thing that's like from way in my past, I know this was kind of like on my own, but I, I think, you know, a long time ago, like listening to the radio and I heard it more than once and I heard it from like the uh, Hindu Indian culture. And I also have heard it from the Eastern cultures. So I would assume like more like in the Buddhist cultures, but they're having a discussion and I remember like it being so jarring because I'm like, we don't talk about stuff like that in this culture, but they were asking the questions, how many moments of consciousness are in a second? And so they're having a dialogue about it. So like, just pick a number, like there's 33 moments of consciousness in a second, but like in the documentary, the infinity documentary, like as soon as you see a line, like that, because you can cut it in half and then just do it over to infinity. Like that's a representation of infinity. So as soon as you like contemplate like, oh, how many moments of consciousness are in a second? Like as soon as you assign a time to it, like that's also assigning infinity to it. And it's so interesting when you look at a line because a line is is a representation of infinity but it's also like used to demonstrate like the lowest level of dimension so if you want to talk about three dimensions you start with the line that's your one dimension you turn it into a plane like a sheet of paper that's two dimensions you turn it into a box that's three dimensions but you can have infinity in just the first dimension And then when you look at like everybody's experience with awakening or with spirituality, actually you were just saying, I mean, we started seven minutes late because I was meditating, but I didn't keep track of time. And then it's like, wait, time's relative based on your level of presence. And that's not just us. That seems to be like a very... um common theme amongst anybody who's doing work on their spiritual selves.
time is 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 one of the secrets i I think spirituality uh teaches us that you know the illusion of what we do here as far as distractions and even attempting to measure time messes with our uh spiritual life i mean keeping track of time is a distraction itself let alone the job we go to or you know the many different thoughts that might come in our head or kind of the rat race but if you really break it down like one of the first fundamental things that keep us from spirituality or meditation or being still is the measurement of time which was never really meant to be measured. So you you have that whammy in your face by saying, well, the secret of the universe is the infinite now, but we're born into a world where we keep track of time. So if you keep track of time, you're already in a sleep state by default just by being born here. So I think the infinite now is really relatable when you have that first awakening as well, because you, man, you were like, for you, time didn't exist for a couple of weeks. It just was, and I experienced it during meditation and I, I didn't even, this last meditation I had, I wouldn't even say it was like, it's tough when you get into meditation and you, you, it's only natural. You start, well, this one wasn't as profound as the last one, or, you know, I feel like I was pulling back from thought more this evening. So I wouldn't even say like this evening was like, I was dead on as far as timeless. I felt like I was pulling back from thought way more often than I normally do. So I wouldn't even say I was like, I guess you say on point in meditation, or there's a lot of times where I can slip into meditation. It feels like you go into the timeless and quiet the mind like really quickly. But this time, I don't know if I had an extra busy day at work. It just seems like that's why it surprised me when it was 7.07 and we were already supposed to start because I wouldn't, classify it as like this profound meditation I just had but I think that too it makes the point like the goal of meditation is not necessarily for it to be profound every time but the goal for meditation is to simply find no time I mean it's just that simple And I think you said it too, a lot of the things that come up in your daily life, you know, that's what the training's for, because it's that split second advantage. When you have no time on your side, things that happen that may cause reaction in your day, it's like it's in slow motion. Like the angry guy that comes up, you see him two seconds before anybody. So you have an advantage. Yeah, and then the birds and the way that they, like, in motion together, 
or the same thing with fish in motion together. There's a good podcast I listen to and it's uh, Mo Fax. He talks about uh, um, deconstructing the media from a African American point of view. He's, it's a really good podcast, but he always criticizes like um, the black community saying he doesn't want a leader. And he says, we need to move like birds and we need to move like fish. And instead of like a leader rising, because I mean, he's looking back in American history and he said, the leaders rising never work for us. But he says, if we follow the direction of fish and birds, that they're able to maintain this flocking behavior by just two simple rules. And that is stay close to the bird next to you and keep on flying. And he says, that's what create, like that simple set of two rules creates that flocking pattern, which is really interesting if you think about it, because you were saying, and you applied it to humans. And that's, that's kind of like blowing your mind a little bit where you're like, man, if we did sync up, I mean, cause you can see, like you, you see a bird and you know, especially the way like they whistle your attention, like on their own, they're spectacular. But like when they get in a flock and they do that movement, like something divine is happening. They, I mean, it's a, it's a divine display of presence. And then you just ask yourself, it's like, wow, if we could put that type of presence into like group human behavior, like what are we? What are we capable of? It's almost like it would be um, like not good for matter or something. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt there'd be some some explosions going on. I mean, physics, I don't know. The capabilities of us, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think there's, there's a depth of which you know, you can go solo as a person, not taking anything away from that personal experience. And maybe a person can experience infinite now to a degree like bliss. Absolutely. What happened to you after the awakening? What I'm merely saying is it can be topped by a collective infinite now. You know, it can be, it can be, you know, like moving mountains type thing where you're right. You have so much energy and so much godlike ability between the masses. And I would have to think that it's like that in other places. And the circle thing, too, is coming back to me. I definitely wanted to hit on that as far as infinity. I find that to be extremely paradoxical that it all comes back full circle to infinity at the zero. But if you look at the design of the universe down to the cells in our body, everything starts with a circle and everything's spinning. So there's nothing... There's no planet that's not circular. There's no sun that's not yeah. circular. If you look at the sun 
You know, you look in the sun when it's in the clouds and there's very few moments that you can look at the sun, but when it's like a really gray sky day and it's over the horizon, you can look directly at the sun and it doesn't burn your eyes. Yeah. It's insanely perfect circle. Like, yeah. like you can't even put it on paper is insanely circular is what the sun is. And it's light years away. But somehow to my perspective, trillions of light years away to my eyes and my perspective, if I'm looking at the sun on a day, it doesn't burn my eyes. It's this super, super symmetrical circle. And there's like no blemish in that. No blemish. Yeah, there's some, I I can't remember exactly, but there's some famous artists, not necessarily from this time, but um, he was sequestered to draw perfection. And he showed up and drew the perfect circle. Mm. But yeah, the, the circle is... Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's it's the like visible evidence of the fractal nature of things. Like it's something you can grasp conceptually. Like you don't need you know spiritual presence or awakening. Like you can that actually like fits in your mind to some degree where you can kind of grasp it. Most certainly does. What do you think? Of, I mean, the apple was like, that was one that I hadn't really taken into consideration at all, but like close off space in a box and put an apple in a box and wait an infinite amount of time. And of course, early on, the apple is going to disintegrate into its pieces, but then wait the infinite amount of time and the apple ends up re-existing as an apple. But not only that, also exists as every other combination of atoms being held together that's possible like that's pretty hard to wrap your head around it is very hard to wrap your head around and the only thing i would say about this time is it's really a beautiful time because we're having like you know like the mayans you know, everything was studied in like a tribal sense. They discovered things. Have a lot of respect for the kind of research they did just out of, you know, probably awe and wonder. But now it's very interesting. We now have the telescope stronger than the Hubble and the visuals that are going to be coming back are going to be way more outstanding but I think what we're seeing and what we're realizing and what we're finding is that the universe is built on mathematics. And if you run out the equations, 
it has to come back full circle. Like even when you run out the scenario in infinite times, it has to come back and redo itself again. So the point that, and I know this sounds really out there, but if you just apply physics and what they're saying about the apple, that there being an infinite number of lives out there is just explainable by mathematics. They're just running the equation. They're just running the equation of what an atom does if you do it an infinite amount of times. So it's not that far-fetched is what I'm saying. And to me, there's something about when I size is coming to me a little bit coming back like when you oh wow when you when you look at size if you were to start just say you were god right you close your eyes and you had blackness right blackness could be nothing because there's no perspective. But as soon as you send out force, now you have planets that are apart from each other. Now size is kind of created, but size, there was never any size. You see what I'm saying? Like if you're like yeah. if you're before the universe and you're looking at a black space that black space is nothing like there's no it, it might as well be like a eight by ten black sheet of paper that you're staring at you see what i'm saying yeah like it's space like if i close my eyes and look into space now it's nothing but it it could be something but now size is only there because of perception. Yeah. So I know it sounds simple, but the way it's coming to me, it's like, wow, that's so unique because when you look at, and I love those uh, YouTube videos about uh, distance and size of planets, because when you measure a light year, like one light year is, um, it's pretty insane. Like you, I can't wrap my brain around one light year. One light year is the amount of time it takes light to travel in one year. So if you think about that in your brain, it's pretty hard to get because like turning on the light bulb, it's instant, right? So speed of light is pretty damn fast. I think, what is that? The fastest speed that we measure is speed of light. Yeah. So when you turn on a light, as long as it takes that light to go in one effing year and the Milky Way is like mi uh, hundreds of millions or I think it's trillions light years apart. So we can't really grasp the Milky Way. Like the fact that there could be life in just our solar system or, or our galaxy is highly likely because we can't, we can't, we can't, we don't have the capability to, to discover that. And then you put in the, it, the infinite, infinite comes full circle. Like you're seeing the mathematics, but I'm saying the size started from zero. Like it was just space. 
when I say space, don't even say outer space. Don't even like let the learned behaviors be like space. No, I'm saying it was just space, which is nothing, which was no size. And then the Lord said, let there be light. Uh, apparently so. Yeah, that size. Or in the beginning, thing. there was the word and the word was God. Yeah. The vibration. Vibration. So, yeah, size is a weird thing because it, I feel like it's always on the tip of my tongue and I feel like there's something really profound there. Um, and I think it has to do with the very beginning and just the way I've talked about it is well that's it's all relative but it's only relative because of eyes now and planets that's the only reason and too like trying to understand yourself spiritually and you know you have some experiences that i mean you can't really you know, put in a box and, and classify them like in any real way. They're just so, um, intense and they're so not classifiable because they're, they don't have anything to do with your form. And then you have other people having similar experiences, especially nowadays where you can start to have these conversations and the point being, it's like you have all that space out there, but then there's also this mechanism where you go inside and somehow you wind up outside. So there's like two things happening at once, like for sure, like I'm in my room, I'm in my bed. That's 100%. And then there's this parallel experience where I'm not there, I'm somewhere else, and it could be very, very, very far away. So it's like you go so far in that you end up coming out. And that's, again, where we we're just talking about. I mean, just this relative nature of size, like it's, it's like the, the spiritual pursuit just reveals that yeah, like that distance is not legit. That distance is in the construct and is actually not there. And then the better that we get at that inner pursuit, the better that we can understand everything as a whole, like the entire thing, the entire universe is better understood by going in. So, I mean, like, who knows more about the universe? The guy sitting behind the telescope or the guy doing spiritual work? Seems to me like the guy doing spiritual work does. Now, I'm certainly probably biased at this point because that's been the focus of all of my attention recently. But the only difference is, is that the guy with the telescope is going through the process of measuring everything as he goes, exhausting himself in measurement. And then the person going through the spiritual process is just 
I got a story to tell you. And then you can match them up with other stories and stuff, but you, you don't have the measurement to hold on to from the spiritual pursuit. But it, that's when things get weird because you were talking about the Mayans and stuff. And like, but wait, like we have examples of like other cultures, like within our own system of matrix or history that have been here all along. And how did they get such an advanced understanding of astrological bodies where it doesn't seem like they had the measurement tools in order to do that. And there's no way of knowing any of that. Like all that's kind of hypothetical. I mean, maybe their tools were more advanced than we understand, but it sure seems like there's like an intuitive understanding of the universe and your place in it. with individuals and even with cultures that are committed to doing intense searching within. Yeah, something that came across my mind when you were talking was the speed of light and relativity and how, you know, we don't, have anything recorded faster than the speed of light but the idea of a spiritual spiritual person and after death and astral projection like that and comes to mind the night that you astral projected like how long did it take you to get to another planet i mean it's pretty much instantaneous and you were somewhere in another realm so you could say that our energy seems to have a substantial advantage over the speed of light because it's, it's almost instantaneous and it can't be measured. Yeah. I mean, that's one possibility, but I think it could also be like the distance that we think is there is just an illusion. Just an, yes. Hmm. No. And I mean, it, I don't, it's either, it's either, or maybe in, uh, an illusion in time space. As soon as you step out of time space, there is no more measurement. Right. Which, which would make us faster than the speed of light because speed of light doesn't apply. It's like a wormhole on the inside connected yes. to a wormhole on the outside. Exactly. Yeah. Completely wormhole type. I've always thought like there's something going on spiritually with, with the energy that resides in you and wormholes. Um, for one, as a kid, I could see them. And it's it is almost like, you know, uh a, an alive twisting wormhole. I mean, I could see him. It's not, it's just something that I was observing. It was nothing that I ever went down or anything, but I could see wormholes and ever, you know, more so as a kid, you know, we talked about it, but you're exactly right. It's an illusion in time space. I can't like, I can't fathom the light year because a light year doesn't even make sense because 
space was nothing to begin with. So when we try to measure, it seems like it's like God trying to measure like a 12 hour period or something like it's, it's almost nearly impossible because it's all, it's all now. So if, if you're looking at space in the very beginning, it's all nothing. So in infinite presence outside of time space, the light years are only illusions as well. I mean, that's the point you're making. But if you were to apply it to time space, if you were to say, okay, can I apply it to my thinking brain, which is right here, you can make the assessment that we could travel faster than the speed of light because the speed of light doesn't exist. Right. Outside of time right. space. Right. And I think like that's, but no one ever talks about that. Like I know it yeah, sounds but they, really simple, but when's the last time you heard that? <laughs> right. And that's why like you fall asleep, you know, if you, you know, you do your meditation and, you know, you do your affirmations and you fall asleep. I mean, you don't really know what's going on, like after a certain amount of loss of consciousness. I mean, there could be like some moments of no thought. I know that it ramps up quick. But I mean, that could be the difference. There could be some, it's unconscious, there's nothing happening. And it's like, that moment of now is reaching towards the infinite. I mean, because you could also say it the other way. Like you could say, like when we fall asleep at night, there's a moment, it could be like a split second of no thought, no thing not even consciousness like but something still reaching in that moment of now and as it pushes further in that moment and now it gets closer and closer to infinity which that's like the whole twin part paradox where it actually slows down that person's time so there would be another way to say it where maybe you do actually travel like that entire light year period. But from your perspective, it was only a second. Like that actually works too. Because as soon as you start traveling towards the speed of light, like there's no more time being consumed. Like that's the whole tr tw twin paradox um, issue with traveling towards the speed of light and those speeds because the closer you get it actually slows down time and you can't really actually reach the speed of light but they think that if you do like that's there is no time you're baking my noodle right now because <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you apply that to meditation man uh Yeah, I'm there. I'm there right in my mind's eye. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. But the monkey brain gets in the way. Um, I can I can see it. 
I can see a hundred percent what you're talking about because as soon as, as soon as you get there, but once the, the time slows down, so it's only, that's pretty insane though. It's pretty insane. Yeah. I'm trying to, but like, it's almost like the point is like, it doesn't matter which way you go. You always get there. Right. Full circle. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can try to say, you know, time doesn't exist. You can try to try. I mean, it doesn't matter how you do it. You're stuck with like this weird understanding of, wait, that if it, that infinity means something. That infinity has consequences. And that infinity is like literally tied to my own consciousness. And then, I mean, it's when you start to examine like, okay, there's this whole system where we explore the cosmos through measurements, but then it, it really does. It makes a lot of sense in terms of like why people would have so much stuff to say about exploring the cons, the cosmos in an inner way. Like there's, it's just a lot, like it doesn't really matter like which way you go. It's like, if you understand like the infinite of the possibility of infinite of the now, then it's like, man, you're, you're in a, you're in a situation that you can't get out of. Like as soon as you grasp that concept, it's like, it doesn't matter how you try to break yourself out. You're going to have to wrestle with some stuff that's like, (laughs) you can't comprehend. I found it interesting just to apply it to an awakening the first time that I experienced any type of elongated now that there was no turning back for me as on that either. Like there's something that something that is there that you saw and I know there's probably some verses in there that would be perfect at this moment, but it's just, there's no way you, you really dabble into it. Once you experience some form of infinite now on some level, I seem to always be working forward and you seem to always be working backward, but in, in the same time as well, we're, we're in the same place the paradoxical nature of awakening and the universe is astounding. It's funny. Cause I listening to Osho today and he said, he's like, all you need is a taste, just a little taste. Don't think you have to know everything. Just find a little taste and that'll be all you need. But he was making that same point that you're saying. And that, that's the point. That's the exact point I was making for me the taste was seeing that experience of no light that I had broken through and it's as though you're being you know just in this light where thought has no authority anymore and I know you experienced it for the 30 40 seconds that at the point of awakening to where there was no thought and that's all you need 
that that's that's it as soon as you have that moment it's ironic as i did want to talk about something that came up when i was meditating it's ironic that there are people that never get a second of presence their whole life and die having never lived which is what that saying means but if i had to describe the backwards effect like i try to put it into words and i think i just tweeted like being a hypnotic force of life conditions if you look at hypnosis and what it is you're literally in a hypnotic force of life conditions and you think well how hard is it to get out of hypnosis? Well, if you've ever seen anyone on a stage who's hypnotized, it's pretty hard. Like they don't pop out of it. Like they, if there's a hypnotist there, they don't pop out of being hypnotized. So what I'm saying is um, that that's on a small scale, large scale, you're born into a hypnosis of life. You have to find a way to awaken and when I say, like you just said, Osho said, all you need is a taste. It's that hard for people just to get one to two seconds of presence to get a taste. Yes. Yes. That's why he's talking from the top of the hills for his whole life and has dedicated it to it. Because you're talking to like hip, hip, hypno, hypnosis. Yeah. It's funny because now, now I'm just so on its trail and um, like I, my whole, my contrast in understanding is huge right now where you 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 get an understanding but in, in terms of like what that means or what it used to mean for me like it, it used to be like you get understanding and like you kind of file it like okay now i understand that and as you go you just stack these files up and these files are like reinforcement of identity like this is all the shit that i understand and I'm confident in, and I can pull up if I need to, or answer a question or have a conversation. And I just keep banking these files. And that's all like my, and some of them are good. Some of them, like I'm really right. And I like, you know, have lots of pride in them. I mean, th these files are awesome. But now, like when I get understanding, it's like, it's all all from the inside so like that little taste is like it's like a flashlight right and it's great so i have this flashlight but it doesn't do me any good to take the flashlight like outside at noon like it doesn't illuminate anything it doesn't do it like the only thing i can do with the flashlight is turn it around on me 
And then I'm like flooded with understanding. But in terms of like keeping files of understanding, like I don't give a crap about that anymore. Like every time I get understanding, it's like, oh, that's where I'm missing discipline. You get more understanding like, oh, that's where I need to hold myself accountable. And then it's just relentless. Like that's why that little taste turns that flashlight back on you. And now like when you get understanding, you're going to just be constantly applying new discipline. So he, Osho breaks awareness down in terms of like splitting hairs. This was super insightful when I heard it and it's so simple. Um, but he talks like there's three types of awareness. And he says, you can have the awareness of something you've already done. So it's like you had an argument with your wife. You know, it upset the both of you and it happened an hour ago and you're looking back and you're like, oh, like that was at least partially my fault. If you're going to have like real awareness, you're just going to look at the parts where it was your fault. So that's one of the awareness. You can have awareness of something you've done. Then you can have awareness of something that you're doing. That one's pretty cool. Like that one's fun. Like that's me at the grocery store. I've already decided like I don't want to buy these bars and I'm about to put them in the cart anyway. So it's like what's happening there? Like my system of justification is so good that it it like has a preemptive strike on like my motion. And I almost fall for it. Like my hands on the box, they're about to go in the cart. And you're like, what am I doing? I already have this understanding. This is where I apply the discipline. Put those back, we already know. And then he's the third one is understanding the stuff that you're going to do. The awareness of the. So the awareness is awareness of something I've done, the awareness of something I'm doing, and then the ultimate awareness is what I'm going to do. So like a great example of that for me has been like Halloween. So Halloween happens, like all this candy floods in the house and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, one of these nights, I'm just going to binge on a bunch of candy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. I'm going to, I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to say nice job for not drinking. You've been doing lots of spiritual work. Why don't you just relax and have a nice night with the family, watch a movie, eat eat some candy because the kids are going to appreciate it. Like you get all this like justification in it. And it's like, what are you doing? You're justifying shit you haven't even done yet. Yes. Like you're making a plan. You already know it's not going to be good. And then when that system of justi- justification is so good that you do you, that's, that's the, that's the hypnotism when you, understand ahead of time this is why people don't wake up from that hypnotic state because that's where everybody's at they already know they're going to make the decision and they're just falling asleep to the justifications that's the definition of hypnosis yep 
that's why the understanding is so key now because like every time I get a piece of understanding, it comes with it this accountability of okay, what's the discipline that I need to apply? And at this point, I mean, it's almost exhausting because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's all the time. That's what you're talking about with the onion. I mean, you peel a layer and it's just like these layers are so thin and it's just you peel one and it's just another one. It's just constant. And it does. You can get to the point where it's like. I just need to shut it off for a little bit, like just just try to like not engage with that process. And even that ends up being funny because even that is then teaching you. It's like a step back from your step back process. It's, it's almost literally maddening. The problem is your dedication to awareness is through the roof. I mean, everything that you're practicing, meditation, chakra root, not chakra root, the chakras, it all breeds you flowering into, I mean, it's just like a garden. I mean, just things getting plucked out and it, it has no ability, but to do anything else, you've given it this massive momentum of the amount of seed work that you've done be extremely difficult to turn off. It could be done, but you'd be fully aware of what you were doing. Like you said, there is yeah, no, it, there is no <clears throat> for any, I, I think that's too why Eckhart Tolle was big on. And a lot of spiritual teachers that, that I've listened to were big on. If you're not ready, don't do it. Like, don't, don't go. Don't do it at that point. And, and you could argue my, my situation, was I too young? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't take it back just because what it gave me, even if I was, you know, regressed a little bit and had full awareness of what I was doing, I still had more wisdom than I wouldn't have ever had, no matter how far I was, you know, pushing the envelope or you know, the depths of what we've delved into. But it is a point of note. I mean, as soon as, as soon as you get a taste of it, I mean, there's no turning back. It, there's a verse in it talking about the seed. Like it doesn't matter. Once that seed is planted, it's going to be seen to fruition. doesn't matter if you stray for a little bit or don't stray for a little bit. The point was, even if you're straight for five years after your awakening, your awareness is going to catch up with you. It's it's nearly impossible, which 
begs the question of what happens if it is possible. And then you have like the fallen angel, which is Satan himself. Doom, 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 storm the gates of hell with Joseph over there in Thailand. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's good to it, too, because what it does is um, it it makes meditation a requirement. Like it makes meditation like not negotiable because you, you just, you can work yourself up into this, um, just frustrated point of like, there's so much awareness and then like awareness of awareness. And you're like, what hole am I following, falling in? But you're, always one moment away from just stopping go to the breath i mean even if you can't get in like a full meditation session like it it's stop what you're doing like follow the breath into the stomach follow it back out i mean even if it's just that and then you're regulating yourself that way but what it does is it kind of forces you into more presence because as soon as like you come out and you start like engaging with because that's the whole thing like the light is just shining in on you like there's nowhere else for it to go so then the ego kicks in because you're just um you know just trying to deal with your responsibility as a form and it's like as soon as that system starts there's light and like everything that develops, you can, you're just like, look at you and look at, you know, the 10 million ways you have figured out to fall asleep here. It's, it is, it is relentless, but it's, um, again, on the, on the plus side for the positive, I mean, it just, it forces you back into that state of meditation, like constantly. Cause you can't stay like that. Yeah, I mean, you can like realistically, because when you look in, I mean, it almost is, it's like an infinity of stuff to work on. It's too big of a project. So you gotta, you have to like, you have to pick your battles and you have to like take one step at a time. You know what I mean? Because you will start seeing stuff like what, wait a second, like I'm starting to work on something I'm going to do next week. You know what I mean? Like, why am I bringing that into the equation? Let's, let's narrow it back to stuff that's going to be at least more in my immediate process here. But that, that turning that light inside, I think what Eckhart Tolle said is he's like, after the awakening, Don't try to change everything all at once. But that's what it feels like. It's like you're looking at it and it's like you want to change everything all at once. And you're like, wait, you know, like stop drinking, pay attention to your diet. Like you don't have to freak out because, you know, we had to order pizza because there's six kids in the house. Like. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be so strict with yourself, but everything you do that's out of line, like you're standing there 
as like the present accountability and there's no escaping it no no there's no escaping it the best advice i ever got we i shared on the last podcast but it's really helped me um was doing things that not even necessarily and it's not like you know constantly working on yourself just the awareness to to do things that go towards consciousness as opposed to doing anything that goes towards unconsciousness. I'm not saying that that's always a success, but it, it turns it into like something simple, um, you know, to go after. And it's, it's helped me out just to keep it simple because a lot of times you go into meditation and as soon as you start to add expectations or goals to yourself or moments you think you should have or these spectacular light moments or as soon as you add that expectation, it kind of puts a negative twist on it as far as you adding to the process. And the more simple I make things, like it's, it just becomes more simple. It's just like meditation. It's like, it's just to be conscious, you know? And what happens is you you are, you are increasing your awareness in those moments that you talk about, you know, you're, I'm increasing my awareness, gives me advantages in life, gives me I think the downside to what you're talking about is like, you just want to let loose just every once in a while, but it's like, it's the, you've, you've made life so simple that it's not even going to let you out of that simplicity of, of, of that awareness. Cause it's, it's really, um, I would have just ordered the pizza and not even second guess myself. <laughs> I've been like, <laughs> yeah right I mean, that, that's what i'm saying like the justification process with food is very tricky and difficult because i don't even i, I, I if if there's kids at the house and trick-or-treating like i'll bypass that whole justification process like it doesn't even phase me i'm just like oh we're not cooking yeah just order pizza and at, i may not even eat the pizza or i'll have like one slice and eat some fruit and then i'll I don't even feel like I'll have like any kind of justification in that process. I mean, yeah. Was it like the best meal that we could have done? No, but like I said, even if you would say your awareness would kick in as like that not being the right decision. If, if there was something there, I missed it. You know what I mean? Cause it's so subtle as far as food because everyone's got to eat. And maybe that is the justification. Like, it's that quick. Well, every kid's got to eat. Bam. Done. Like, that was, what, a second? I don't even notice that. Maybe I do it in my head, like, so swiftly that my awareness is like, yeah, I saw it. But, hell, we got to eat. Oh, well. (laughs) I think the problem with food is, and it might have to do with, like, my age. Um because I, I definitely, I don't remember it when I was younger, but it's just, 
like those foods that you know aren't going to settle right. And then at, at this point, it's like how many times do you have to learn that lesson? Like it's not about pizza for the family. It's like if you're going to order the pizza, like then nobody eats it. And it's like there's all this leftover pizza, but you knew this was going to happen. And now you're eating the pizza, which means in two hours, you're not going to like the way your stomach feels. And so it's like, it's like your Notre Dame like the presence just takes on this Notre Dame form where it's, it's like, okay, like I can see the path in front of me and I'm just going to walk in it anyway. And it, it creates this, um, it's funny because it's like, you're saying like towards con- like it's completely conscious and that's the problem. <laughs> and then it's just like, I'm going to end up just having to take a stand in terms of like, okay, I can't do it that way anymore. So I don't know what I'm waiting for. I already know what the solution is. And like, I just need to be separate from that project. Like whatever happens with the family or whatever we decide for the dinner. Like if I'm not in agreement, like I just need to step outside of that system and take care of myself first with food. And, but that that's just out of character for me. Cause you're always playing the dad role of like, you know, bat and clean up with the dinner, you know, just because, you know, we got to make sure we eat all the food. We bought it. We got to make sure we eat it. We're not wasting the food, you know, like all this stuff that you got going in your head. It's like, where did all that stuff come from? Uh, yeah. Where did it come from? It's, a mystery. Yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the hardest things as far as an unconscious uh person on this spiritual path is food because there's like other things stick out that are so blatantly bad for your body that it's so easy to make that connection and then, you know, there's a sense of freedom that you know, after that vice is kind of not hanging on, but, but the toll it takes on your body, but it's, it's hard to see food because food is so elongated. Like you eat food for, you know, many years and people don't start to see the effects of negative impacts on their body, maybe for, you know, 30, 40 years or so it's, it's definitely one of those things that you can't, definitely can't overlook but i think it's 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 always a a work in progress like eckhart totally talks about a lot with the vices he's like if you're gonna drink do it presently like if you feel like you're gonna have dessert just do it presently right like the whole process is whatever you're gonna do just do it presently but Mm -hmm. that's the thing with the food like when i like there's stuff that I can do and then there's stuff that I can't do. So there's stuff that makes me feel good. Like if you sit down and eat like a candy bar, like, and you're doing it presently, like you're going to notice, like there's a massive sugar rush and then there's a lethargic depletion of the whole system. Like that's what happened. That's what happens to me. Like an unnatural rush 
that turns into this like unbelievable sluggish lethargy. Right. And now it's just like I can't tolerate like stepping into that being presently. Like that's what Eckhart is saying when he's like, do it presently. Yeah, because he's like, you do it a couple times, right? Yeah, you won't do it anymore. Exactly. Right. He trapped you. Yeah, (laughs) he trapped you. It's a booby trap. (laughs) He set you up. I have a rendition on understanding as well. Understanding was a big word for me coming out of an awakening. Because I realized that I didn't understand shit and understand things for a long time. And understanding, like you're saying, comes from within. There's something that resonates, uh, that gives you that confirmation inside. The biggest example I can give is the fact that we were or had a Christian background upbringing to where we learned the religion of Christianity that we've talked about many times. This is the biggest example. I might have others that pop up, but just for the sake of the conversation, I would read a Bible verse per se, and then I would understand it or what I thought the word understood understand meant by okay what was I taught by the Lord's Prayer for example we did last time or what was I taught by you know whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall not perish but have everlasting life what was I taught and then when I would then say, okay, I read that verse and say, okay, someone I trusted or, you know, a teacher, whoever it may be, could be a parent or whatnot, um, culture. Again, it's not like calling people out. I'm just saying for the example, like you learned something, like you learned an answer, um, black and white. So then you would say, oh, I read that. I was taught it means this. And I would have said that was understanding. Like I would have said, oh, I understand that because there was an authority figure that I trusted that taught me something. And not only is there an authority figure, but there's other authority figures that justify that authority figure. So it's it's a big justification process in why I would think that was understanding. Because... As I'm growing up, you're being taught stuff and you're like, okay, how do I understand this? And in math, it's like two plus two is four. How do I understand that? Well, you can get to it based on fact. Religion was kind of the same way based on fact. Like if you read this verse, it's like, oh yeah, that means like if you ask Jesus in your heart and and uh, he comes into your heart and he saves you and then you're saved. So I apply that to, oh, I understand that verse. So I say, Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and save me. And my salvation is there. So I would say, because of the trust that I have in authority figures, I understand that. Right? And then I was introduced to no longevity to that. 
and what I mean by that is like, like as time goes by, how we talk about spirituality, once you get a taste of it, like it's no turning back in religion. I didn't know what that was. You just made a perfect example of what Osho said. I didn't know what that was, but I knew that there could possibly be something like that because I didn't have like wholeness inside. So I did have that yearning, you know, at a young age and then find found something that made me push through and have an awakening. So now apply that to post awakening, understanding from the example I just gave you at before, as far as trust figures and authority. Again, the word backwards was so prevalent in my mind and hence the word backwards in fact, after I awaken and, and, you know, a lot, most of the time we start the show or ponder on a word that um, means a lot to us. The word understanding means a ton to me post awakening because of its huge contrast. So now if you apply that to, I've talked about the times where I go back to the Bible after awakening and if someone awakening awakens, just like V for Vendetta, the first thing they want to do is go outside for like the raindrop moment or the tree moment or the wind, the breeze, whatever. The second thing you want to do in my case was, Oh, what does the Bible mean to me now? Because I was taught a certain, you know, that, that was the religion I was taught. So what does, what, what do I perceive now? What does that mean to me now? So you go back to the Bible, just as though you're the girl walking outside as uh, in V for Vendetta, where she woke up, you go back to the Bible in an awakened state. I don't know if you've done that since you've awakened, but, um, and obviously you want to find the person like Jesus quotes, because you would say, if there's anyone who's awake, I mean, that would be Jesus, right? So you go to find like the Jesus quotes. And you start reading them. And like I was telling you, like there's certain vibrational frequency there that hits the heart that has like, I guess that's when I inadvertently was introduced to like what chakras were or what vibrational communication was. Cause I had no idea like I could read something. And then if I had some kind of vibrational resonation in the heart that wow, I don't even need like an authority figure to tell me like how to understand this. I just all of a sudden know, like he said, you know, don't, uh, do you not perceive, do you not see the birds in the sky that don't worry about their lives? And then all of that kind of comes to life and resonates with your heart because you have the same, you have the same truth inside. So understanding was like, oh, it blew my mind post awakening because Understanding becomes something the way you've just described is far as, okay, what did I learn growing up? Let me go, not validate, but let me go apply this. And then as soon as you do it, here's the, here's the tricky part. Like when you're in the learned, like under authority, like it's all study, 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 learn, 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 cram, 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 learn as much as you can. Post awakening, like understanding is about like the testament just go and validate your heart 
in that vibration. As soon as you do, you close it and you're like, okay, I understand. Doesn't need to be opened ever again. Ever, ever, ever. Unless I just want to do it for pure fun, just to do what I just said again. And then you apply that to other books I've wrote, Eckhart Tolle, Osho, um, different spiritual books, um, Sam Harris, The 10% Happier, all of them, you get some vibrational resonation when you read. And now I'm applying, I'm like, oh, wait a second, you can... You can like write verses now. Oh, and then I was like, oh, maybe I can write. And then I started writing. And then the funny thing is I wrote and then I wrote, read it back, you know, wait six months and then pull it out and be like, oh, I understand where Luke's coming from. That was six. I understand where he's coming from. So I would do it to myself. And then 20 years later, I'm like taking pictures of what I wrote 20 years ago and sending it to you. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, dude, you got to send me this book. This is like truth coming out, but you, it was vibrating with you too, but it had nothing to do with like, like the infinite. Now, when you write that way, it stays like mystically present. That's why the Bible stands the test of time because there's so much infinite now in it. There's a lot of junk in it too. There's a lot of crazy stuff in the Bible. But I'm saying the infinite now is what has kept it so mystical. But I understanding is just, it blew my mind post-awakening. Yeah, I mean, you can even see it on Twitter. I mean, there's definitely people that like know how to speak and like get out of their own way and just speak a truth. And it, and you definitely recognize it when you see it. It's um, yeah, that type of understanding is. It's really that's really what it boils down is all that understanding is. You're listening to because what you said before was like there's authority figures, and that's where your understanding comes from. But like understanding like comes from sources of people who take themselves out of that authority spot. And they just like they 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 take their identity out of the equation. That's where the truth comes from. It's like their ability not to be applying that truth like from their perspective. It's from a greater good, greater whole perspective. And that's when the truth comes out. That, so that's, I mean, you used an example, like you, you need to accept Jesus into your heart. And if you do, you'll be allowed into heaven, which I don't think we're actually quoting a verse, but like there's that concept about Christ. And that's, that's kind of the whole point is you have to accept Christ in your heart. And that deal is, you know, say the words, do the deed, mean it, believe it, and then it's true. And with my awakening, I because I kind of did like, almost exactly what you said, like you have, you have that moment with nature. For me, it lasted for, I mean, most of the time, but then you do, you look back and it's, and my biggest revelation at the time was, like, oh, like I have the, I have Christ in my heart and it didn't like even require any, it doesn't even require belief. 
it's look at the imagery, understand the Christ, understand the sacrifice. He's saying where spirit meets form, accept your suffering and there I am. And so, I mean, my suffering was nothing even close to the suffering of Christ, but I mean, that's his whole message. It doesn't matter what your suffering is. Find a way to accept that suffering and there I am. And then it's like, oh, I did accept the suffering and I can feel it in my heart. What's that? (laughs) And then, so you're applying it back to the story you said, and now it makes total sense. But we've, it was just so complicated with dogma and with judgment and with belief and like, who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. But no, it was like real simple, like, Apparently, I got off the hook with, you know, confronting my own anger, which I mean, I didn't even really think was really all that much suffering. But that's what he's talking about. Like, everybody has to accept their suffering, whatever that is in that moment of time. And if you can truly do that, if you can accept your suffering, just accept it and stop thinking about it. Like, that seems to trigger the whole mechanical process of shutting the thought down. Yeah, you mentioned authority too, and you bring up a good point. There's two different kinds of authority, and I use the word, so I want to contrast the other word. The authority I was talking about in culture is someone who's learned the same thing from another authority. So it's almost like, I mean, telephone yeah telephone but it's a it's a culture store a, a culture authority there's a different kind of authority as well which i heard for the first time with the first spiritual teacher and i told you it hit me like that was that authority i've never heard before and i couldn't i couldn't put my finger on it and that was just exactly it because it was vibrational that's it the correct authority is vibrational. Like when it goes throughout the airwaves, there's a different type of hit. There's a different type of message. There's a different type of discipline in that authority. And you would say like a parent to, to a child, like the way I parent um, my 12 year old, it's not really an authoritative authority. It's an authority as you know, I'm there to make sure that she flowers. I'm there to answer that pondering question that comes up. I'm there to, but I'm not there to infiltrate the brain with culture and something that I've learned from a, a, a previous authority. So there's two different kind of authorities and they're completely opposite. You could call the one, the blind, we've called the blind leading the blind. You know, that's a perfect example of uh, ego authority. Uh, you, you could call it ego authority. But, you know, that's why I think we love listening to guys like Osho because they have a certain amount of authority. And if you're awakened, you get comfort from that. I mean, it's no, 
secret that, you know, we have followers on Twitter and pretty much all of them are, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's too many people that don't agree with us, follow us on, on, on Twitter. So you do kind of attract the same kind of vibrational frequency as you put out, you know, our, our whole goal is to try to get to, you know, I think, I think our goal is to try to get to some hypnotic hypnotized people as well as <laughs> I, which we've dabbled in it a little bit, but you so far on the platform that we're on, we're only on Twitter. We've attracted a lot of the same type type people, which is great. I mean, I, I, I love it. It's like birds in synchronicity in the air. Um, but we're kind of all on the same page. You know what I mean? Like, when are we going to storm the gates of hell? That's why I love Joseph so much. Yeah. Yeah. That you say that authority and it's vibrational. I just, I know when you were talking, I just noticed a little bit of a contrast. I mean, I just between you and you and I, and I definitely know exactly what you're talking about. I think I'm trying to do, to do a better job of getting there. Like I don't have that natural heart vibration that I think you have, but if you take like um, mine is always going to be Eckhart Tolle in, in terms of like where I heard like the, the, the true authority for the first time where I was kind of like taken aback by like just that long consistent spoken word authority like that but he would always remind me and he would always like don't don't listen with your mind don't don't hear my words with your mind it's like and he would he was so consistent he reminded me all the time like just listen don't think about it i mean different ways to say it but he was always it felt like, you know, it's an audio book, but it really felt like he was talking to me. Like he really knew like when my mind wanted to take over and like, he was always there to like help me step back from that. But as he's doing it, he, that means he's aware of his own mind. I mean, that's like when you hear him on Russell Brand and like how he's so relentless with the talk of the ego. It's like, it's like he has a, it, I'm assuming it has to be that he just has so much awareness of what's going on inside of him. But I mean, it's, he's got this sixth sense of like when the ego wants to like start to come out and it's like, he's always there to remind you like, no, that's not the way, like just listen or listen with your heart. And again, he would say it in a, in a bunch of different ways, but that was the first time like I've like hurt somebody. And it was really like a conceptual thing. Like it wasn't really a vibration for me. It was somebody like putting it into words. Like, be careful. Don't let the mind come in here. Just stay quiet and listen. And then more truth. Be careful. Don't let the mind come in here. And like just relentless on the timing, you know, like he was, he had his, finger on the pulse of something there 
I think you just hit the nail on the head too, as far as how it enters. It's picking up on people who are able to put that vibration into words. Yeah. And that hits the heart. And so it's not to like hit with any confusion that I necessarily feel like some type of vibration sensation. It's feeling that the authority from someone that's able to put it into words. And I know that that's coming to them as a, um, out of their stillness, out of their vibration, out of their now. So I know they're coming from no thought. See what I'm saying? Which makes it like them interpreting vibration. And then I hear that same reason why you love, I mean, you listen to Osho today. I mean, if you love to listen, your whole listening processes have changed. You love the fact that someone can put that vibration into words. That's the hard Yeah, but Osho will vibrate me. Hmm. Osho will like something swells. Yeah. Like he'll do something and something there's, there's a feeling that swells. I mean, vibration is a good word for it. It's, but it, it feels like it comes from like, even sometimes like, uh, vibration might not be the first part of it. It's, it's emotion. It's love. It's like coming from inside, but like, as it starts to swell, mm-hmm. when it gets into yep. the heart, like then you can start to realize, like, Oh, my whole thing is vibrating there, but it's, it's on the level of like watching a feel good movie. You know, if you're watching the feel good movie and it comes to that part, like you're having an emotional reaction to that. That's the, it seems that very similar mechanism but it's just words and it's just like, it's loving intent being received as love being caught. And I'm right there with them. And I'm like, do you sent the love? I just caught it. And it, it, there's a mechanical receiving of it that, and I mean, I don't, that I do receive as completely vibrational, but I don't put like all truth. I receive, I receive in that way. But that's like, if you say specifically Osho, that's why, because it's like the way Eckhart is relentless in his way, Osho's relentless in his like storytelling manner where he just takes you down these roads and then he's just hitting you with like these love punches. And you're like, man, that was good. You just. So I think I have an explanation of why they only hit you periodically, because I think you're way better at it than you give yourself credit for. Because the way you listen, like you just gave the example of how you're supposed to listen, like not every, like you might listen to Eckhart or Osho and there might be 10 truths, but the ninth one hit you because it's all about synchronicity and it's all about timing. So the ninth one was supposed to hit you and it did. That's why you... whatever happens like the synchronicities or the timing of things are somewhat unexplainable on the path because they even tell you like when you, after you awaken, if you want to go read the Bible, you skim through it. And like, if something pops, read it, you get something from it, bam, that hits you. You're out. Same thing that Eckhart, you just said 
tells you how to listen. It's kind of like in one ear and out the other, but he's spouting off truth the whole time. Like I'm agreeing with everything, but the one thing that I needed to hear in that synchronistic moment, bam. And then there's vibrational. That's exactly the same way with me. I think you're more on to it and more in tune than what you, what you think. And, um, yeah, I th- I, th- I think you're, I think you're right there. I just think you don't give yourself enough credit as far as the heart chakra, because everything you're yeah, describing maybe. is exactly, exactly the same way for me. Yeah, I just mean like that's obviously when it happens that way. Um, I mean, you understand truth is coming, but I'm just saying like. I feel like I understand truth in more than just that way. Like, it's funny because he was talking about authority today, too. So Osho is talking about authority and. It, it, it's interesting because his spin, he was he was talking more. I mean, it's different than the way we were just talking about authority, because he was saying once people have authority, it's going to corrupt them. And he was like, he was using the, it was, I don't think he said DMV, but he's like, he set up like an office situation like that. Like go up to the counter, like at the DMV and pay attention to the lady behind the counter. Like she's going to shuffle her papers and she's going to like pretend like she's doing something and she's going to make you wait until you realize that she has the authority, not you. And I just thought that was hilarious when he said that. So that's what he does. He's setting you up and he's painting this picture and you're like with him. And then he he stops and he goes, oh, don't worry. You are corrupted with authority, too. And he's like, has your kid ever come up to you and asked you if he could go play outside? And and he he's talking to a crowd and it's like oh man I'm like my kid has come up to me <laughs> how's osho about to hit me my kid has come up to me and asked me if i can play outside he's like pay attention to what you do at first you're going to say no at first you're going to say no but you know you're going to say yes you're holding the authority over the child mm. and you're corrupting with your own so and the child knows the child knows that you're going to say yes. Like, what are you going to do, Dad? Say no for me playing outside? And it's so true. Like, every time the kids asked me if they could come play outside, I immediately said no. It ended up being like this family joke. Like, don't ask Dad. But I was always going to say yes. But what? why am I letting that authority corrupt me? I mean, it was speaking, like, so directly to me. Like, he called me out so hard. Like I, I did that all the whole time the kids were growing up. Every single time they came to ask me to go play outside. Nope. Nope. Dad, you're really, we can't go play outside. Dad, it's nice out. You, you want me to go upstairs and play Xbox? <laughs> you want me to go sit down and play on my phone? We can't go outside, Dad. Nope. Can't go outside. Dad. Okay. You can go outside. <laughs> Like what? What is this charade I'm doing like, every time? Yeah, especially nowadays. I mean, how are you gonna? 
Like, it's almost not even a question anymore. Like, the kid just goes outside. If the kid wants to play outside, like, it's like, oh, you don't want to play video games? Okay. <laughs> then go yeah. outside. Get your ass outside. I understand what you're saying, though. I, I have a have a moment there. That's crazy. But Yeah, and so he, it, it just, it feels so targeted. It feels so, like, directly to me. And he and he's he's showing me and he's showing me insights into myself that I'm not even on to yet. I mean, because he went back like there, like I hadn't even drawn that connection yet. Like I literally needed him to like spell it out for me. And then I'm just like shaking my head like, wow, that's exact. And what are you doing? Like you're playfully. Corrupting the authority. And I think like for me, like I'm kind of playing 3D chess with the kids. Like I always have done that with them where like you make them go back and forth a little bit. Like I I don't even know half the time what you're doing, but you and then it turns into a joke and then it turns into like a pattern and then you just keep it up and we all kind of laugh about it. It almost ends up being like a personality development with them. But then Osho just like completely calls it out and you're just like, wow. Yeah, corrupted authority. The call out of the example of the DMV or the tag office or the call out of paying attention to the small interactions that you have because the person that's shuffling papers is more than every every single time going to get a reaction either externally or internally from the person. And even if the other person doesn't show out, it could be internal, but, but that's why those small little moments are so beautiful because they meet their match when a shuffling of the papers does not affect your energy at all. And they notice and they notice and it's yeah those are those moments in life are are everything because they're he's absolutely right as far as authority too but the person that reacts is going to give up their authority like right then and there but there's something that that non-reactionary force and I'm in internally as well and it can be it can be sensed so easily so easily and there's been moments in my life over the years that you know you just you cherish those moments because every moment is an opportunity and sometimes the best moments are with someone you're just going to embrace for 2 minutes it's someone that you're waiting in line you can tell that they're a reactionary person and you know you're going to be up there in a minute and it's an opportunity for you to stay present continue to hold your energy and continue and and what it does is it starts to disrupt something inside them when you do that when you and you don't even have to say a word like if someone tries to get a reaction out of you and you don't react from a person you don't even know, like a tag office visit, and you don't, something 
rattles them inside like like no words spoken at all so those moments are let alone the people you know and the people that you come in contact with all the time sometimes the biggest opportunities are are those interactions that may even be you know a couple minutes and, and they can be they can be beautiful ones and the ones that like you can learn the most from yeah that's what i was talking about with the 3d chess because with a dad as a dad it's kind of weird you're always kind of challenging them a little bit and i mean i didn't know necessarily what i was doing back then but what you just explained is like the the lady behind the desk is corrupting her authority but then you're taking a stand which is actually taking the authority commanding the authority but that's what's exactly what's happening on the level with the kids is i'll you're playing the part of the corrupted authority and then you're letting them take the authority because like, listen to their excuses. Like, okay, fine. I'll go play Xbox. Okay, fine. You know, I'll go, I'll go sit on my phone and watch a movie. Like you're giving them the authority and then watch what they do with it. Like they just corrupted it right back to you. Right. So you can see it, you can see it bounce, but now, now you're in a place where you can start to have a conversation with them and you can start to at least laugh about it and start to point out like the absurdity of it where it becomes like, that's the same thing that you're always working with, with that, that inside pursuit. Like there's so much mess that, I mean, you're in a much better position just to understand the absurdity of everything and just try to chuckle as much as you can. But you're that authority and like what you're saying, it's transferring back and forth. And ultimately, like in those engagements, like you're talking about, you take your stand and like that is the command of authority at that point, which is, like you said, an opportunity to take advantage of when they arise. I always find the grocery store visits now, uh, everyone seems to be a bit drummed down. And I guess customer service is kind of, you know, it's, it's definitely tapered off than what it used to be, you know, growing up the smiling face and, you know, portray the training that goes into like, how do you represent our business? You know, that, that sort of thing has definitely been drummed down a lot. So a lot of times you get up to, I, I love the grocery store example is very interesting because sometimes you get up to a cashier and it's like, they don't say anything like literally no eye contact. Like I'm putting this stuff on the, on the belt conveyor belt and I walk up to the register and there's no interaction. And then I insert myself and I'm like, I just bring my energy. I'm like, Hey, how are you? And then you make <laughs> you make them like look up at you, but you do it with like this perfect present energy and they look back at you. Fine. Thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> so you make them engage, but you make them engage like presently cuz when they come back at me, I'm like 
you know, you're like in this zombie state, like you're not even like interacting with customers. And that's, that's a lot of customer service nowadays. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it used to be. It's uh, the uh, employee market is, is wow. Yeah. And COVID is kind of deflated it as well. So, you, you know, you've, you've got some drum down conversation and I, you sort of demand that interaction back. And, you know, smiling at them, it's just, it's really cool to kind of jump them out of like this hypnotic, like bad mood too. It's like disgruntled too, you know, um, but yeah. they don't expect it because when they look at me and they're like, wait, how are you? Like, wow, I've had 30 customers and not one of them talked to me. I'm like, Really? Not one of them. Well, if I come through the line and you're a foot from me, we should at least embrace for like five seconds. We should at least acknowledge that in this universe, we are here for the next 20 seconds. Should we not say at least hi? Should we not, <laughs> should we not at least do that? And should we not do it with like a smile and like at least send the energy from one to another, like love back and forth? Like, let's just do that thing for just a minute. <laughs> Whatever, Boomer. It's very, it's very fun to do that. It's, uh, <laughs> exciting times. The small things, I think, are um, pretty cool. And, you know, I think the last time I was at a grocery store, Hayden, when I do that, she looked at me and, like, gave me the embarrassed look like what are you doing i'm like i said hello like what do you mean what am i doing like i'm engaging you don't want me to engage sorry i'll just put my head down and pay for my food and walk out yeah we had a um interesting time over halloween because there was lots of friends over from um well from both kids and um logan had like nine friends over and nine friends over yeah and it was a big enough crowd to where like it kind of like clicked off like there was different groups of girls and it was all over i mean it was fine but she was sitting down talking and she kind of blew my mind because she said, it's like I'm a different person depending on which friend I'm around. And I was just like, oh boy. And uh, so she opened the door and we had a great conversation about just paying attention. Like, you're exactly right. That's exactly what's happening. You're a different person depending on which friend you're around. Just watch that you're you have the awareness just keep paying attention to that that's so i mean it's so evident that you know it spills over from you uh that awareness because that's not the and maybe she's intuitive but the idea that well i'm not saying maybe i I know she's intuitive i'm not i'm saying the idea that she can make that statement to you she understands that you're aware like the very motion for her to like she you know leaning on your awareness 
Like if you weren't awake, I don't think that conversation even happens. She just keeps that inside. But that awareness, I think, spills over to where she has, it's like she sees something so she can come to you and say, hey, what is this? But pre-awakening, I don't even know if that awareness is even validated. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah, that's interesting. I I didn't even really consider that. But yeah, that might be uh, correct. I mean, it's pretty Um, subtle is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she was, she was noticing something, and like, re, like there was a lot of authentic, like, um, like she really wanted some insight on it. Like she was noticing something, and it was important. Like she was like, "I, I see this. Like, what does that mean?" And it. There was not like urgency, but I mean, like every once in a while you'll see them, they'll get caught on something. They're like, oh, I'm on to something here. Like, help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only because your your heightened sense of awareness. Yeah. Which is what but it's- uh, what what you do as a, as a correct authority. You just provide that umbrella right. safe place for things like that that may arise and it's a it's a seeing thing rather than you know so i mean it's a beautiful thing i'm just saying things are possible and things are not possible i mean a lot of kids bottle up subtle things like awareness because if you don't have an awake umbrella to go safely you know what i mean yeah yeah that makes that makes sense I mean, it got, it, uh, over the last few months, I mean, when I'm, uh, you know, where I'm at, I mean, I get a ton more questions about pondering things that maybe possibly I wouldn't have gotten before. Like KK comes and asks me like serious questions all the time. Now that, you know, I'm, I'm more plugged in um, ever since your awakening in May. Not that I wouldn't have, you know, the right answer but i'm saying it's just energy energy field does something i mean like i said it may this whole presence itself like aids in their awareness and then they would have questions about their own awareness yeah it's not even about like knowing the right answer or the wrong answer yeah just the correct because right and we played around with it. Now, like, um, with her, like, we started naming characters that we see, like, different names. And even her brother got in on it. He, like, goes into this complete, like, lawyer mode. <laughs> and so when he does that, we call him Perry Mason. <laughs> but you're, like, naming the different personalities that they bring to you. And um, it's been fun, but it was all her. It all came from her. It's been like a big topic around the house. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing for that safe, safe place. You know, when that energy field covers a home like that, just provides a safe place for things to 
come to light, you know, awareness of that at her age is pretty phenomenal, but it's, it's the, the, the household energy that allows for that type of flowering. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, that's a pretty intense revelation at, at her age, especially, I mean, to notice the different, um, different personalities that yeah that's pretty big that's cool though i mean you can you you look back i mean it's totally true especially when you're kids you kind of develop that um with friends especially at in her age and you're like why do i do this like who am i like what what am i like why why am i this way with this person so it affects like your growth but her being able to be aware of that like that's going to make her like more authentic you know what i mean yeah like that's going to make her more authentic that one person but that 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 friend they look up to like wow how is she so how is she so like grounded how is she so you know because people pick up on that too and then she becomes like the alpha that everybody looks up to yeah, that's it's funny because that's what Beck said. Like, you just want to always be your authentic self, and that that's and I kind of chimed in. Like, actually, that is like the awareness of it is your authentic self. And so, yeah, we all had Bingo. this moment. Yeah, bingo. And um, yeah, it was. It was with the kids. It's interesting because they are in such a such a growth pattern of their own identity structures all the time i mean especially like at, at those ages they're in such development of their own selves that they're they take less notice of me like going through a developmental change. Does that make sense? Like their plasticity, like they're not surprised by like a new version of me because they're constantly making new versions of themselves. Like they, a new version, try this out. I'm going to wear this style of clothes. How does this work? You know how they do that. Like they're trying to find themselves. So my process of like stumbling upon a new self, like looks odd to like the adults in my life, but it doesn't look odd at all with the kids in my life. Like I'm just doing what they do from their point of view. Yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. No. Not at all. I did want to um, read you the definition of hypnosis. Uh, Switching gears here. Were you done with that subject? Yes. Hypnosis also referred to as hypnotherapy or hypnotic suggestion is a trance-like state in which you have heightened focus and concentration. 
Hypnosis is usually done with the help of a therapist using verbal repetition and mental images. So I did want to talk about this as far as meditation and how it all relates and uh, dehypnotizing yourself. And I did tweet on this and the backwards infect what it meant to me as far as I can't stress enough. Like it's so insanely difficult and we're going to go back to the universe being very paradoxical. And I know it seems a little bit redundant, but the paradoxical nature of this is so insane as well, because the simplicity of meditating is what it is. It's very simplistic. If we had one message, it would be clear your mind, bring yourself to, you know, the infinite now, the now, not even the infinite now, bring yourself to tap your feet into the now, to experience no thought. Um, that, that would be the simplicity of the message. The trance-like state of, that's the... So hypnosis, like someone that's in a hypnotic state can even be hypnotized by someone on top of that hypnotic state. But if you took talk about the hypnotic state of life in general from culture and those authority figures that we've been talking about, as soon as you buy into an authority figure that taught you something and you understand it to be true, that is hypnotic suggestion. So you multiply that times all the events in your life. You're in hypnotic suggestion. You're in what you would call hypnosis of life. The idea that you could just pull yourself out of that, this is where the paradoxical nature of it comes in, is that is insanely difficult to do unless you have an awakening like you. But if you're just to say, okay, I heard something that is a proper authority And even though I knew that was a proper authority, it was insanely difficult to break the hypnosis of life to the tune of like, that's gravity. That's a force. It's all going this way. I have to go that way. That's how difficult. Now the simplicity of finding it and breaking through and understand how simple life is, is simple. It is simple. It is when you experience no thought. It is when you understand what nothing is and, and how your mind is, is but of rabid thoughts all the time and in the hypnosis of life. But the hypnotizing yourself is insanely difficult. I mean, that's the point I wanted to make, um, in my position, this is from my point of view how awakenings happen like you are beyond my explanation of how you get someone. Maybe it has to do with age. Um, But just from my perspective, I have this perspective of this hypnotic state that everybody's in. And, you know, we call it sleep state as well. You know, I'm just kind of changing the word up as well. But when you see someone on stage who's been hypnotized by someone, you're seeing that on top of the hypnosis of life and you see them, the only way that they come out of that hypnotic trance 
is when the teacher says they can come out. That's the only way. You ever seen anyone on a stage come out of a hypnotic trance that's in the process of being hypnotized without the teacher letting them out? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. And there's also people like a a really good hypnotist, like someone, they can't be hypnotized. Like Amir, you went on the stage in Awakened State. There are people that cannot be hypnotized. They part those people out. Yeah. They, they, they'll pick people. They know they hypnotize. They see someone, they remove them because if you're not able to be hypnotized, then you're automatically out. But someone who is able to be hypnotized, like they can't, once that process started, they can't get out unless they're let out by the teacher. I find that to be astounding. Yeah, it's in the definition. It's it's um, it's that. What was in the definition? It was focus and a trance-like state in which you have heightened focus and concentration. Heightened focus and concentration, and that's kind of what we know about the manifestation process. Like, so you're going to have heightened focus and concentration but you're not going to have awareness of what that is focused on. So like the hypnotist would then turn that into the creation of the identity. So heightened focus and concentration on what? On the identity that's you're presenting yourself as. So much so that so much of the energy is going into that process of identity that there's nothing left for anything else. So the self is just fooled into that identity. But then when you apply that instead of like on the stage, like to the hypnotic force of life, like that's the whole thing. There's only a certain amount of energy. And if the energy is always in this state of like hyper focused, which it basically is. I mean, if you look at like what's going on and you're going through your day and you wake up and you eat breakfast, like you're focused on that and like you got a big meeting coming on, you're focused on that. So you could be focused on something in a in a very intense way and th- that's not even happening yet. So all the energy is there. I mean, it might as well be happening yet because your whole energy and Id- identity is there. There's none left for what's going on directly in front of you. I think that hyper, that hyper concentration is kind of the key. It's like it comes to a level where it just drains the entire energy. And then you say, well, what is that energy manifesting? That it is manifesting the identity and it's manifesting it so hard that it fools you into thinking that it's you. Only because it's it's not even that it's that good at fooling you. It's not that it's like that good at talking to you. It's just the entire energy system 
is caught up in that. So there's no energy left for anything else. Yeah, I love this topic because for one, to watch people be hypnotized, the only ones that can be hypnotized are the ones that are in like the hypnosis of life. So, um, it's very, very, when you apply meditation to what it is, oh, that's the point I wanted to hit on the dehypnotize. Like why, when you get to a point of how, how do you break like the hypnosis of life? It's, It's about, for me, in my perspective, was sitting down quietly, going against gravity, going against uh, everything, going against every force that was telling me to stay in this perpetual lane. And then when you do that and you sit quietly and you bring yourself, you know, to presence for one second, you know, then you go into a thought or you and then you pull yourself out and you can stay in presence for two seconds. It's about the pursuit of continually going against that hypnotic force of everything telling you to continue in this direction. And that's where the pain comes in because the pain was real, but the pain was attached to staying in this hypnotic energy field and when you obviously on the other side there's no pain and there's clearance from it but that initial breaking the hypnotic life pattern was very difficult to do obviously necessary to do but i think the point i'm trying to make is that you know it's it's possible but for one you've got to hear the truth and then for two you've got to take the action steps to sit down and and attempt to be quiet in your mind and you know failing is 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 a part of that in the beginning yeah you can see how it would work in terms of you know, all the energy going into the hypnosis. And if you can just take a moment and try to just not be engaged with that energy and see if you can bring your attention to something else other than the hypnotic state. So the hand, like we always say, right. And just the attention, like just break that contact a little bit. And then try to do it more and more consistently. And then you can start to realize like, oh, this thing's just on autopilot. Mm, Like it's just. It's just doing its own thing all the time. And a little bit of a feeling of that creates hunger, I think. So I think, I mean, if you can, I think if we when you commit to it a little bit and you start to see like that system break down a little bit, I think you do get hungry and um, it could help with, um, you know, more progression down the line. I mean, I say that and it didn't work that way for me, but 
I, I hear that from enough teachers to where that must be kind of, and to say it didn't work for me is kind of weird too, because it's not as if like, I never had commitment to like meditation, you know, like, so is it like a cataclysmic event or like, was there enough discipline, even though like maybe if I would have doubled my efforts, it would have happened twice as fast. But there was enough meditative experience that I kind of had some separation to at least start asking the questions like, why am I so angry? Why am I not control of this situation right now? But I mean, where do those questions come from? Those questions come from like a little bit of a dissociation from the meditation from before. There were two different tastes for me. I got the taste when I heard truth for the first time. And that was enough for me to start the pursuit because I knew that I was in hypnotic suggestion pretty much my whole life or I was in, like you said, you, you described it perfectly. Your awareness, like, you know, like you're going to order the pizza when you're in the hypnotic suggestion. Like I'm talking about outside of that little subtle thing that your awareness did, like, you know, what comes next. Like, you know, you're going to make the stupid decision on this. You know, you're going to, it's just multiplied. It's just, it's just multiplied. Like you can, I I guess there's, there's a faint awareness. Like you're talking about your awareness now, which is like unbelievably aware. Like you're, you're, you're practicing on the present path. It's being laid out before you. Like what I'm talking about is there's, there's still for me, like a faintly awareness that I'm tumbling down this road that you're really not at the wheel. So there was two moments of taste for me. Like I, I just needed the taste of what, okay, someone put truth in the words. I heard that. Okay. There's something out there. And then that was enough for me to then use commitment and discipline to push through in meditation to find that. And then that was the second taste for me. So there was two tastes that, you're talking about with Osho. The big one is, yeah, breaking through and you having a blissful state of no thought and finding out what love is for the first time, which is no thing as well, <laughs> which is which is odd. Right. But yeah, there was two for me. Um but but all in all, if I look back at my life pre awakening, I pretty much you pretty much almost know what's going to happen next as far as your life decisions, because your uh, ability to make a more present decision about which direction you're going to go is um, you're not capable of doing that. But there was a little bit of awareness there. Yeah. If I go back like, I don't know. I, if, if I go back before, like, I just, I think my awareness was like um, really close to zero. 
and it's it's not it's just how fast the construct would so like yeah what you're talking about like do you know in advance of something yes like that's probably true but that thread is picked up so quickly by the system of justifications and that's where like i reside like that's the that's the me that i'm like comfortable with like yeah bitch like talk me into the thing i'm about to do thank you <laughs> yeah. you know and so there's <laughs> there's no the awareness was like none that's why i think i was so like sucker punched with the awakening is because like there was no i think you made there, made sure there was no awareness yes because i it just came to me while you're talking that you like with food i told you the justification it's so quick and like you can like i can be ahead of the like decision for pizza like everybody's got to eat and that's like a second i think that your contract was that fast with everything yeah and if yeah. it was like that with everything i can totally understand that totally because it was so fast you did not allow awareness of voice at all and there are times when when I can see that and I can see that with what you just said with like the food, like if it was the time you order pizza, like that, that's a split second contract. Like I'm, I'm construct. I'm not, I'm not playing around with justification on, on, on Halloween night when there's nine kids in my house. Like I'm ordering pizza. Right. It was very fast. Right. And it's right. not going to haunt me. It's going to shut right. the hell up. <laughs> no, but right. I, with, <laughs> That is you with everything pre-awakening. That fact. Yeah. No matter what it is. Yeah. Subtle, not yeah. subtle, big, small. But yeah, fast, fast and very elaborate. So fast and lingering. Fa and so like you're telling the story about how okay it is that this thing is about to happen. And, and and it's like a cozy blanket that you're putting on. Like, don't worry. Like, this is fine. We got this. This is exactly, well, we got this. Don't worry. And it just, it's, but there's so much identity in it. There's so much coziness that it's giving you. And so you just accept the whole thing. So yeah, there's no awareness that, that comes in. There's no, because you just think you already are. You think that whole thought is the awareness. So you, I, that's why I think when like we used to talk, like I used to talk like that because I thought I had it. You got cozy with entity. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah, it, it was. And. I mean, he's like, whoever it was, I mean, he was like the best thing ever. I mean, it was, it was so close to perfect in terms of like keeping me chill. 
that's what's so trippy now because like I don't have him anymore and like there's no rest there's no there's no uh, there's no refuge like that's what I was saying like it's almost it almost forces me to meditate because I feel like I can't even I like you always talk about the pain in a different way but I feel like I'm slowly getting more and more reference to the pain and it's just accountability i mean that's really all it is it's just accountability yeah we said you're working backwards so i would love yeah. the fact that you're going to endure something <laughs> it's full circle i can't believe it he just started talking about pain no yeah it yes that's the kind of pain i'm talking about but me working forwards you're talking like what you're experiencing is is nothing really i mean you, you're talking about me like completely backwards of you trying to break, break through but never being on the other side never getting that yet so what you're breaking through is man everything is telling you not to do this but it is about accountability. Um, and that, that accountability, I mean, it's not even telling me it's not even, there's just like, when I try to apply like a justification, like I try to like bring it in and understand it and there's just nothing for it to like grab onto. Yeah. So I'm just left with like this dumb justification that I'm just <laughs> staring at. <laughs> There's nothing for it. So yeah, I get that. I get that. And I'm just, I'm just like, well, okay, I guess we're not going to justify that, but <laughs> there used to be something there that used to like that. Yeah. Like when the justification came, it would have eaten it up. And um, so it's just funny. So it really is like, and it, like Becca's hilarious because she's like, she even called me out. She was like, you're not making a salad. You're eating pizza. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn it. I'm eating pizza, aren't I? And like, there's all this pizza. And like, I'm just, I'm, you're taking bites and you're just like, I know I'm going to hate myself in 20 minutes. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> so I, it's, I literally like almost can't go through the motion of eating pizza. It's very, very weird, but I'm just trying to like also not be like a complete freakazoid with nine kids in my house. And my wife just told me that. Yeah, you don't want to be a prude. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's and but that's this is the spot where it hits me where it's just funny because like then you just understand the amusement of the all and you just laugh at yourself. So I mean, it's not like um. It's not torturous or anything because the end result is just kind of laughter. And then if you and like I was saying before, it it also just forces. More meditative awareness, because that's the only retreat now. There's nowhere right. else to go. Right. <clears throat> I also figured out, too, like the pain is is an illusion, like once it's it's completely illusionary before like self-inflicted pain uh from thought processes is completely it doesn't mean it's not real but i'm saying post-awakening like it's 
it was all an illusion like anxiety and and any any anxiety pain that you had is all all from your lack of awareness and presence which in hindsight you look at it well that was all illusionary <laughs> because you, you, the right. only reason why there was pain is because you were you know barreling down the universe you know lost in thought and not present which was just creating like this separation from love which was more of a separation but you know perspective wise you you say pain so but afterwards you look back and it was like that was all illusionary because there is no medication that would like correct that type of anxiety all it is is awareness and finding like love source and once you find it like pain doesn't exist anymore so it's all like self manifested separation from love and that causes like discomfort and pain but now on this side looking back like that's all an illusion too yeah because it's not mechanical like you could say you break your arm and you have pain and you go to the doctor and he has to fix you but that kind of pain is there's there's no like there's nothing tangible there it's all like separation you're just separated from love source or love or whatever you want to call it you're separated from your awareness you're separated from so what i'm saying is like if you're separated from it 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 causes discomfort in your body but that's only like the manifestation of like separation. I didn't know what it was. So he called it anxiety. You know what I mean? Right. Like I just call it like anxiety pain. Cause I have no idea what else to call it. Like that's kind of like what we labeled it, but all it was was separation really. And realizing that is, the only difference is, is we, we just talked about how you made your awareness nothing. And I don't feel like you were dealing with the same thing or what you would label as anxiety pain. But we just said that your justification process was so fast that it even outsmarted like separation. <laughs> like that's pretty astounding. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, there probably is like, that's why you like, you know, you're drinking on Friday nights and Saturday nights, like you're actually voluntarily like putting yourself even more in the sleep state. Like when there's less responsibilities and there's less stuff, it's like, okay, like I need to, I need to hypnotize myself more. It's almost like you clearly understood what you were doing in some way. But that's exactly what was needed in order to like hold the system together. That was so cozy. Yeah. Like I said, it was like a very, very faint awareness, different kind of awareness that you have now, but a, a, a faint awareness that, you know, you're barreling down a road that is just a perpetuated cycle. 
So I wouldn't even call it the awareness that you have now, but there's a, a glimpse of it, I guess you could say. It's like an aware. It's like it just holding yourself together. And the reason why it's a shitty aware, awareness is because its entire goal is just self-preservation. It's like you said, you're uh, cozy with the entity. Yeah. And it's just trying to protect itself. Like, so the, all the awareness is, is self-defense. And it's, it's just holding itself together as hard as it can using whatever means. And then that's when the justifications come in. It's, it's like Saturday, it's, you know, three o'clock. Well, it's not too early to have a drink three o'clock. No big deal. And then the justifications start to, you know, lullaby you and, Half the time they're lullabying, like you said, in the direction of conscious or unconscious, like they're pushing you in the direction of unconscious. That's where they want you. Because that's where they reside. That's where they have the most say. Can you just shut up, have a drink and go play video games? Thank you. Okay, now we're now we're driving. Now we're in control. Now we're cozy. You're completely comfortable, aren't you? What more do you want in this moment right now? <laughs> like it, it just it steals it all away, right? And it just makes you feel good while you, while you're doing it. Yes, it does, <laughs> and so it is, and it is so.